Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk radio show, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. I have a special guest today, someone I've... um, not spoken to before, Simela Kidonakis, who is the producer of the documentary Apparition Hill. How did I do, Simela? Did I get all the names correct? Yes, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) It's my pleasure, absolutely. We have spoken with the director of Apparition Hill, uh, Sean Bloomfield, I think back in November 2016. It's an award-winning documentary, Apparition Hill, and but we're uh, we're talking to Samela today because uh, it has Apparition Hill has just been released on DVD and Blu-ray on June twenty fourth. How do you feel about that? I'm so excited. It's been like two years now since we first went out to Medjugorje to film, so it feels like so much time has passed, and it's exciting to update everyone on where everyone is. Exactly. I mean, it's I'm excited just hearing about it, and it's. It's quite a story, but um, but but before we get into the story itself, I, I've already said it's an award-winning documentary. What did it take to get it released on DVD? What, what did you have to do? Well, we were in theaters for about a year, and they were mostly um, private screenings. Mm-hmm. And then those private screenings led to a box office run because it was just such a big response. Uh-huh. And... Because we're such a small team, we didn't have money to actually go to DVD right away. Uh We didn't have that much help. And so um, basically it was word of mouth that this movie spread. And many people after screenings, they would say, well, can we get a DVD? And we're like, yeah, we hope, you know, to have DVDs soon. And so after about, I guess, a year, we were in theaters, more people saw the movie, more people wanted to own the movie, and so um, we were able to have enough after the screenings to put the payment for the first 10,000 DVDs, wow. and so that's where we are right now. Well, congratulations. Is It, ex- uh, it must be exciting. I'm, as I said, I'm very excited to... Uh, uh, for you, uh, having spoken with director Sean Bloomfield and now having the pleasure to speak with you, the producer, it is, uh, tell, tell us about it. I mean, it's an award-winning documentary yeah. and, and you have um, seven strangers on, on their mission to investigate uh, the greatest paranormal mystery in the world. Take it from there. Will you, uh, yeah. Samela? Gori is a small village in Bosnia-Herzegovina. It's um, back when they first, the first six children, back when the six children were first seeing the apparition, it was June 24th, 1981, so it was communist Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because they were just, like, met with so much aggression with the communist um, officers and everything, uh, but they kept the story. I mean, they always claimed that this is what they saw and they couldn't deny what they were seeing. And so, um, this is now like 36 years later and they still say they see these apparitions. So, um, 
Our documentary is cool because it takes these seven strangers to go investigate it, but these people all come with different beliefs and backgrounds. And so I, I think that's why people love the movie is because you can relate to one of the people who goes and explores. And um, we took two atheists, so to hear what they see and what they're going through, um, it makes it a really interesting journey. Mm. And, and just in case, uh, I mean, we're throwing out the title Apparition Hill, in, in case there, uh, that hasn't quite registered with everyone, uh, if you've heard of Lourdes, if you've heard of Fatima, uh, and there are a number of certainly other places in the world where uh, an apparition, what is believed the Virgin Mary has appeared to people, this is a documentary that it was not only about that occurrence in a communist country, but also about how people these seven people chosen uh, of different backgrounds, different beliefs, whatever. I think one uh, had cancer and, uh, uh, as you say, a couple of atheists and so forth. I'll let you go into the details, but I just want people to understand this is a documentation of that journey, so many journeys in so yeah. many ways. So, Samela, tell us. Yeah. Uh-huh. going to these different pilgrimage sites. So I have been to Lourdes and Fatima and Guadalupe, but I had never heard of Medjugorje. Mm. And I remember when I first heard about it, I was like, is this real life? Like, no way. Like, I can believe it from the past, but not it happening right now. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to go there. And when I teamed up with Sean, it was just like so exciting to go with, you know, it was my first time. Um, so I went with all my camera gear and I got there and I was just like, what is going on here? This is so crazy. (laughs) And even my experience there, I was like, just so moved and like, I've never experienced anything like Medjugorje. Mm -hmm. And so in the past two years, I've been nine times. Oh, wow. um, It's so crazy, but, um, I think all of us, even though how different we all are and everything, we all just basically had such an amazing experience there together that um, in September, a lot of our people in our movie are going back for the third time. Uh, so I think it's going to be really interesting. It's an amazing thing to experience. Um, I uh, can remember, um, I was actually uh, an adult and traveling in Europe and and happened upon a small town in, in Germany and met a woman who whose English was worse than my German. <laughs> and yet we were able we were able to communicate. She was a dear, sweet little old lady. And for whatever reason, she brought out this picture of St. Bernadette. And that was the first time I had heard of Lourdes, the first time, and then on to Fatima, etc. And, uh, and then I visited both places. So I have some sense of um, what you must have experienced uh, since I was probably your age when I had this experience. But what is it like in the 21st century yeah. to be your age and to experience this and then to film it and make it a documentary that now so many people want to see? Well, I mean, I, I just sometimes I have to pinch myself. Mm. I just, when I experience the thing, it's so it, 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 it like changes you. I have chills constantly. Like I just, uh, I was talking to you, I get chills again because mm. it brings me back to when I first filmed an apparition and I'm going through something internally myself. I'm feeling so much, but I'm also recording. And for me, when I experience something great, I always want to be filming. Like yes. I always want to share it. I feel like if I'm not sharing it, then what's the point if I'm just going to experience yes. it? Yes. I loved being in Medjugorje with um, all of these people who had never been there. Like, we mm. had all, it was our first time. And um, it's, it is beautiful to go to these places because you see so many people who are going and they are, you know, taking off their shoes and they're climbing this two-hour climb mm. where the rocks are really sharp and they're doing it for some reason, you know, like yes. to offer it up for something. And people are going there on, like, um, in wheelchairs and mm. they're being carried up and 
Um, they're just asking for some type of miracle. And you meet people there all the time who tell you, I had a miracle happen to me. And they tell you their story. And last time I was there, I talked to a girl who had a brain tumor. And she went to Medjugorje and she prayed and prayed and her brain tumor disappeared. And like things like that, they mm. don't even like really phase me anymore because you hear those stories so much there. Wow. So it's interesting. <laughs> yes, I know, you know, uh, and, and again, I haven't been to Medjugorje, and, and forgive me for uh, slipping in my experiences at Fatima and Lourdes, but, uh, but we're saying the, the same kinds of things and experiencing the same kinds of things. I'd like to mention there are less obvious miracles, too. Such places can truly change you as a person. Did you find, in addition to seeing the physical changes in people, medical changes, did you find uh, that you yourself or members of the film team or the or the seven uh, people who yeah. were part of it, did you see other changes yeah, in them? That, that for me, that's the best. Like, that's the best thing is, like, the little miracles, the things that happen within a person and that change your perspective, your viewpoint, your just your attitude and your energy. Mm. And for me, that's what happened with myself. Like, in my jugory, I just feel like, I'm more joyful. I didn't want to pray more. I wasn't like that before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, whenever, that's the coolest part about the movie is that you can see the change in all the people that went because yes. we filmed them for over a year. So we filmed them before they got there, when they're there and after. And one of my favorite stories is Daryl who came with ALS from Canada. Mm-hmm. And he came because he was really, really like troubled by his, disease and coming and he was fearful and he said he was suicidal like he just couldn't imagine that at some point he wouldn't be able to communicate and be trapped in his own body and getting there he went with his mother Mm -hmm. you know like was so joyful like he was wanting to go to mass twice a day he went to confession after like decades of not going and all of this is in the movie um and then if you read um now like what happened to daryl like uh, that in December last year, Dale passed away. And if you read in his obituary, it's incredible to read how much the experience of Medjugorje changed him during his last time. And he kept just saying that his sickness was such a blessing because it brought him closer to his faith and to God. And I just think that's so interesting. So it can, like, that it can completely change your mindset and everything about like what you're going through and your suffering. You, you know, I, I, I certainly can relate to that, and I'm glad to hear that you uh, felt you saw some of what might be called the smaller miracles, too, but there are major miracles. There are things that happen. I understand at one point uh, you said, um, if I, I may be paraphrasing you, we knew we had captured some beautiful moments, but it wasn't until we saw the intense audience reactions that we realized how much impact the film had on people. Tell us about, I know initially we alluded to that a bit, but tell us about how people reacted seeing the film, even without being at Matajori. Yes, they were, it was interesting because we got to like, um, sometimes they would fly us out to a different screening. So for me, that was the best part was sharing the film and seeing people's reactions. And people would come up to us and they would tell us like, emotionally like just crying and telling us like how much that watching this movie brought them so much love for some reason they just felt a lot of love or um i remember at one screening there was like a priest in the audience and there was a man who like had confession with him like right after the movie and just like was so moved to just like talk to a priest um and people after they watched it they wanted to bring it to their town they wanted to bring the film and so Mm. they rented a theater they brought the film um, in Louisiana, it was amazing because they actually had a box office run, a little small theater that never had that many people come. Mm. They were sold out every night for two weeks. Wow. And just all of these people were watching this movie and they were just like so moved by it. They were having like 
um, like little discussions after they were meeting to talk more about um, going to Medjugorje. And that was the coolest part is people wanted to go with us there. They felt like they would tell us after they watched the movie um, that they would email us and be like, I can't get this out of my head. Like, I really feel a desire to go there. Mm. And so I think that just knowing about this place, it calls people there. And we all we all think that anyone who goes there is called there. They have been called and they have said, yes, I want to go. And I want to go back to the small miracles because I actually feel like those are actually the biggest miracles is when you have a change in your heart. Mm. That's the biggest thing. If you're healed from something, you know, that's fine. That's great. But really, when you have more love in your heart and you find that peace, that is the biggest miracle because it's so hard to find that, especially in today's world when so many crazy things are happening. So we always say that in Metricory is like, those are really the most amazing miracles is the spiritual healing. I think you're so right. I, uh, I, I really do it. And like you, when I, when I went to Lourdes and to Fatima, I, I didn't choose to be a part of the throngs of people moving. I had to record it, my camera, everything, because I needed yeah. to be able to share it. So I certainly understand how, how you can be yeah. a part of it moved by, but you want to share it. Otherwise, we don't do what we do, I guess. But, yeah. uh so the aftermath now, the the response to the film we've talked about, the, the screenings, people hosting them, is that still going on, or is, has the have DVD sales taken over, or how? Where are we? Yeah. So um, our favorite thing is you know g- gathering people and sharing it. So we created this thing called Movie Night, ah. and so now that we have a DVD, we allow people to share it with their you know, churches or their parishes, not even churches, but just a group of people. And so if they go to our website, it tells you more about how to host a movie night. And we send them DVDs, we send them um, tickets and things like that. So it can be like a really cool movie night with tickets included. Um, And uh, our website is Mm apparitionhill.com. And then we also have um, a contest right now. So just like the movie started with a video contest where you could win a free trip, we're offering a free trip because we're so excited about our DVD coming out. We wanted to offer a free trip to anybody who finds out about Apparition Hill Mm. and the movie and wants to go, but they don't have enough money. So all you have to do is submit a video as to why you would like to go. It's not a popularity contest. So anyone who submits, they just get one like one ticket goes into a bowl, mm-hmm. and at the end we just will pick one name out. That's a wonderful idea. Have you gone to other uh, places famous for this, or, or but I know you're planning to go back in September. I think you you said, but also the cast yes. members are going back as well. Yes. Yes, they are, and we are going to film a little bit of them because we were just thinking, like, how cool would it be to see people who we followed on their journey and to see them two years later going back and the crazy thing is both atheists are coming back so i just think that's so interesting this is going to be their well it's going to be mark's third time the policeman and it's going to be pete from england his fourth time so it's interesting to note that they will go back again that is fantastic do they offer any other go ahead Sorry, I didn't answer your first question about other places like this. Yes. And Sean, the director of Apparition Hill, also did um, a few other movies on different apparition sites. Mm-hmm. And there's one about Cabejo, which is um, happened in Rwanda. And, yes. I mean, Cabejo happened in, was an apparition that happened in Africa. And then it predicted the Rwandan genocide. And that movie is called If Only We Had Listened. And so there are a few other documentaries of different holy places that also document stories of apparitions. You know, I, uh, I, I'm Roman Catholic, and I, I of course, really, truly uh, believe in apparitions and, uh, and, and have made uh, pilgrimages or whatever. But I'm, what most fascinates me, again, hearing, I mean, I have no idea how old you are, but you sound certainly younger by many years than I am. But to hear hear someone like you experiencing this in 2017, 2015, 20, you know, I, yeah. I find that so moving. It takes me 
to a place that is uh, that's very special to me. Just to hear you des- describe it, I wonder, and we need to go to break soon, and so we may pick up on the other side, but I wonder, not just the atheists, but people you met, not just the seven characters, but do you feel, um, um, do you find young people in, in the 21st century being moved, or, or how does it... How how in the age of the smartphone do are people are young people responding? Are they responding oh like gosh. you? Go ahead. <laughs> I I love this question so much because that to me that is such a big point. Like you know we're all so we're still working so hard and we're like so distracted with what are we going to do? Like the, they always talk about millennials and everything, mm. but that's the cool. Like for me, when I see young people there, they are the most moved like we are working on a new movie called cross mountain mm-hmm. and it's the other mountain people climb there and it's all about the youth and their experience because we took we took youth there as well for the youth festival and it's like the most amazing time where all of these people from all over the world come and they are just have an amazing experience in Medjugorje and it's all like they have um, famous people who have different stories tell their testimony, like Immaculate, who would survive the Rwandan genocide, and you hear from Magnus, who every, he does Mary's meals, and every day they feed over a million children. Wow. And so hearing all of these stories and people who are impacted by Medjugorje, it changes them. And being there and being, like, surrounded by all of these things. And so we had an, an engineer come with us this last trip, and he was so moved by it. I mean, this is somebody who is very, you know, mechanical, very mathematical. Mm. And he was so moved by Medjugorje that he even wanted to do different testing there with, like, the water, the oh, yes. statue that drips water. Yes. And so it's, to me, amazing to see a bunch of people my age and younger who go there because they have their whole lives ahead of them. And when they have this experience, it changes them. All um, right. Well, that's a perfect place to take a moment to catch our breath. This is so beautiful. I'm loving this interview. I so appreciate uh, Samela uh, being on the show. She's uh, the producer, one of the producers of Apparition Hill, award-winning documentary that has just gone to DVD and Blu-ray on June 24th, 2017, which, by the way, is an anniversary of uh, of the Apparition, yes? June 24th. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah, that's how we pick that day. Okay. All right. Well, hold on, everybody. We're going to take a short break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. We've all had the experience of passing a homeless man or woman, arm extended for spare change, futilely seeking eye contact. We may not even acknowledge anyone is there at all. In Time Out of Mind, Richard Gere is George Hammond, a man living the homeless life. But we hear his name only begrudgingly well into the movie, and we never get more than a glimpse of his story. Apparently, he once had a house, a wife, a good job, insurance, but it's not really relevant. And there's a daughter we catch sight of occasionally, working as a bartender. It's not his identity or his past that Gear and his writer-director Oren Moverman want us to see. It's his invisibility. We don't exist, he cries out to a fellow street person, convincingly played by Ben Vereen. During the hidden camera filming, Gear stood for long periods in crowded New York. Dressed in second-hand clothing without makeup or disguise, he begged for change. No one recognized him. Long on Gear's wish list and done on a shoestring budget, Time Out of Mind is a powerful portrait of the downtrodden human beings we choose not to see. Time Out of Mind. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. We hope you enjoyed the Indie Film Minute. Visit us at IndieFilmMinute.com to share your thoughts, suggest films, or even to submit your own review. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and today I have the great pleasure of speaking to the producer of Apparition Hill, Samela Kidonicus. Okay. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you, as you know, both from the, our first segment and, and our chat in between segments. It means a great deal to have this conversation. It's not one that I... Uh, uh, 
um, have enough. Perhaps most of us don't. As you alluded to in the last segment, we are so often, myself included, in such a rush. I mean, life is very demanding in in whatever your profession happens to be. But it's, so it it uh, to have time to actually sit down and and listen to one who so young who's had these experiences probably about the same time that I had them in in two other places and when I was your age. I mean, it's just that alone is beautiful. But we talked about what some, what I call the smaller miracles and what you quite correctly corrected me with saying, no, those are the big miracles. I'm going to tell one that happened to me in Lourdes. The crowds were so amazing, but I'm not one who likes to jostle with crowds. I like private time with that 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 uh, universal power, whatever we call it, God or otherwise. And so I got way back in the back of the crowds and and watched and let people push and shove or whatever. And it meant that it, when people would leave because it Lourdes closed at midnight, I would then race to my hotel because in the city of Lourdes, they would, because of the tourist, they would uh, lock the hotels at midnight to get all the tourists off the street. And I would just make it after midnight, and the guy would come and he'd let me in. And on the third night, he says, the night manager, where is it you run from every night at midnight? And I explained to him I was coming from the grotto at Lourdes, and he looked at me and he said, you don't have to run anymore. I'll always let you in. So, yeah. So, but back to you now, and to your experience and your documentary, award-winning Apparition Hill, directed by Sean Bloomfield and uh, produced by him and you, Samela Kedonikis. And we are, we were talking about the contest, but tell us more about the individuals, even if you repeat yourself. I think these seven people, uh, one with cancer, yes, one, uh, two atheists, tell us more about them. Pete is so hilarious, but he's from Leeds, England, and he's an atheist, and so he was, this his entry video, it was so funny, because he was like, my wife is Catholic, she seems to have had a crazy experience there, I deny ever, <laughs> I don't believe that happened, um, so he was really funny in the movie, uh, Rich, he's a father of nine, who lost his wife 10 years before the trip, and mm. so he raised the nine children by himself, uh, he was He's Catholic. And then Ryan, struggling with addiction, 27 years old, and his entry video just was so emotional. And he said, "Um, I hope that you pick me, and I hope that this can save my life. And then Mark, he's a police officer from the Chicago area who is an atheist, doesn't believe. And I loved what he said because he said, I deal with people every day who lie who lie to me and he was like and I have to cross I have to go through all of the facts and like look at all the evidence to assess things and mm. so he was like if you want and I'm biased look at what's going on like take me and then Jill she was Mennonite before she converted to Catholicism but she just didn't understand the Virgin Mary like didn't understand mm. why people seem to pray to her and so she wanted to go and experience this place and then Holly she is a young mother with four children struggling with stage four cancer. And um, so she was just very emotional, wanting to go to experience Medjugorje and to find some type of peace. And then Daryl from Canada, who has ALS. Mm. And so these are the people who we took, and uh, we just documented them before they went to Medjugorje, during, and then afterwards. Now, when you say you documented them before, uh, did you have, like, interviews to get some sense of who they were and what their motivations were? Yeah, so um, on our team, we have myself, Sean, the director, and Jessie, who had just graduated film school, so she was near Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so she was able to help get Ryan's um, first interview. And then whenever we, before we went on the trip, we kind of, divided and conquered like yeah. I went to go meet Holly in Washington and I remember like I was I just joined the group and I used the money I had saved 
to go and buy my ticket to go see Holly. We all just basically wanted to document this, but we didn't have that many finances until after we did our crowdfunding where everybody helped support it. Mm. Um, But in the beginning, it was really like this strong desire to go and meet these people and tell them in person that they were going to be there and they were going to come. And we wanted to know where they were at, like what were they feeling, what did they think it was going to be like, where were they in their faith, did they have faith? Mm. Um, And so we all kind of took... And they all come from different places. So Sean was able to interview Pete in England right before he went to Medjugorje. So mm-hmm. he just got a ticket there first and then went over. And then um, Sean and I first met when we filmed Mark in Chicago mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. and Ryan. And that was the first time we ever met in person. Wow. So that was really interesting. Yeah. Well, tell me, because that was my next question. You're right there. I was going to say, how did you meet Sean? How did you come to work on the project? How did you meet him? So working with this type of, I guess, just this whole experience, you can say there are coincidences, but I just, I don't know, it doesn't seem like it. Mm. What happened was I had recently heard of Medjugorje like a month or two before I heard about this contest, mm-hmm. and I had stopped. I have a company here in Houston. I do videos. I have a video production company, and I stopped taking work. I just felt like everything I was doing, it, I wasn't passionate about it. Mm. And I heard about Medjugorje, and I went like a little rabbit hole I would watch all these YouTube videos and everything mm-hmm. and my friend she, she sent me this video contest so I actually made a video um, to be a part of Operation Hill the crazy thing is I never wanted to be in the movie. I wanted to help with production, but mm-hmm. it didn't say, you know, when you enter, like, oh, if you want to help the team, like, this is how. And when Sean saw my video entry, he was like, whoa, this is really well done. He did some research, and he, like, liked my work. And so he asked me to come on as partner for making the movie. So that's how I got involved. I submitted a video. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. And, and, and became the producer. Yes, and it was cool because I came in so early on that we all got to look through all the video entries. There was over 200, and we got to Mm. just really, you know, think about what people were saying. We saw, were they comfortable, like, talking about themselves and what they were struggling with? Um, And there was just some that just, we were so emotional watching them Mm. that we just felt so strongly that these were the people that had to go with us. Um, but the people who didn't make it, you know, some of the people who were in the contest who really wanted to go, but they didn't, you know, weren't a finalist in it, they actually ended up coming with us. A lot of them came with us on other trips, mm. which was really interesting, yeah. So there are really multiple trips. I mean, not just the cast and you, but people are coming yes. back. Tell, tell yes. us how does that affect them and, and you when you find out or see them or hear from them about it? Oh, my gosh, it's... For me, you're, anyone can, I think anyone can work really hard and try to make a documentary, but to create a movement, I think it just, I wake up every morning and I'm just like, I have to remind myself how amazing it is that we get to experience people watch our film, like mm. people that like, come, like bring us to their screenings, and we get to experience these people go on this journey, people who have watched the movie in theaters, who then go to Medjugorje and we actually, uh, we have a September-October trip coming up, and we have one woman who hosted us in California, and she's coming on both trips because oh. she's our friend. Like, we have just became really close with her, and she's coming on both. And I'm just, for me, the people who we get to go with, it's like this whole other experience. It's like, you know, watching something on TV. It's like if you watch Harry Potter, for example, and then later you get to go to Hogwarts. Like, it's... It's just so interesting to get to bring people there to see what they're going through mm. and then to become just a tight family, to become more like a family. Like, I talk to the people in the movie Operation Hill all the time, and it's not even just them. I talk to people from our pilgrimages all the time, wow. and it takes a lot of time because we're always working, so I wish I could be more, you know, in conversation with them. But you experience something so deeply with them that your friendship and your bond is so is so big. So I, I, loved, I love that part of it. As you said, you the the you purposely chose the twenty fourth of June uh, to uh, release the DVD and Blu-ray because that was the thirty sixth year anniversary of this taking place. And again, what took place was 
the appearances of the Virgin Mary to a young group of children on June 24th, 1981 in Medjugorje. And it requires faith. I always say, I don't, I don't think I have to make up things <laughs> to, to uh, profess faith. I think faith is the easiest thing. We, if we are dreamers, if we believe, if we are positive people, if we hope for the best, if we're full of hope each day, even though some days it doesn't seem like we should be for whatever reason. I mean, the world is full of negative challenges. We all know that. But if somehow there is a, what's that, what's that old song, a song in your heart, if somehow there's a, a joy a joie de vie that that slips in and keeps you moving forward. It seems to me that comes from somewhere that it's not just not just you, but something bigger than you and outside of you. I'm rambling. Help me out here, <laughs> Camilla. What do you say? Everything you're saying, I agree. I I think that that is the beautiful thing. Is in Medjugorje, what they say when you first get there, it's like open your heart. And mm. I think that's what Pete and Mark are always like, what does that mean? Like, mm. open your heart. What does it mean? But I think a lot of us, we, I mean, a lot of people in my life, we're very, uh, we have walls, you know, and we mm. just like are afraid to just like, well, you know, let me just take a moment here and try to think like, what if it was true? Like, what if it was possible? Who's yes. to say? We, we put everything in a box and if you go there with an open mind and an open heart, things happen. And that's all that that's what I've seen. I've seen it happen to people and I've experienced it and I've, you know, seen my sister who is um has faith but going there she she was kind of like, Why is this movie taking my sister away? you know? Like I, I had to go to Mexico mm. for a long time and to see her experience things and to go back this is gonna be her third time going back. Like mm. to see people completely changed by just a week there, a day there, you know, the first, you know, the first day people experience things, and it starts with confession there, you know, you go, you let everything out, everything, and then people experience the most beautiful thing in the confessional, so they've called Medjugorje the confessional of the world. Mm. Tell me about that, because that I didn't, I had not heard before. Why do they call it the confessional of the world? It's a place where there is so many lines for confession in all different languages. There's mm. so many priests there at one time. Mm-hmm. Like in the Mass, there's thousands of people. Yes. Um, and the priests are the ones that are, you know, giving out the Eucharist, which is not really, like in, you know, most churches, it's just people who are trained to do it. Uh. But there, it's a bunch of priests. Like there could be 200 priests on the altar at one time. Wow. And there's just so many people who can um, hear confession. So throughout the day, you can, but during the confessional time, there are lines and people are so emotional because people haven't a lot of people who confess here they haven't in decades maybe they did one time Mm. or maybe they never have maybe some people who aren't even Catholic they will go and they'll sit with a priest and they'll have something happen to them and I've experienced it myself there on my ninth trip but it's not your typical confession you feel like that someone else is there with you when you're talking. Yes. And uh, it is very moving, a very moving experience. And millions of people seem to be propelled to this small little village in Bosnia. How did that happen? It's interesting because a lot of the other operation sites, it's a place that is in the middle of nowhere. Mm. You know, like a small town, nobody's really heard of it. And it's crazy because in this time she come the lady who appears, and um, she comes as Our Lady, Queen of Peace. Yes. And this was a place where there was no peace. It was communist times. People couldn't practice their faith openly. It was something that was very hidden uh, because they would get in trouble. And so that so many people come there now, you mm. know, like all from all over the world, and yes. they experience peace. It's it's beautiful to know that that was that's what she calls herself, and that's what people are experiencing there. Wow. It is a wonderful thing, I think, uh, as a filmmaker, when your the work itself is so important to you to get it done, to get it right, uh, to move people with it, but then the work becomes subordinate to the subject. I think that's a, a beautiful thing. 
because yeah. then because one absorbs the other. How, uh, have you experienced that? It doesn't happen on all 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 of our work, but occasionally that is the case. Is that what you're feeling? Yes, I do. I feel like that. And I forgot to mention one other thing is one the one of the children who experiences the apparition. She's now you know in her fifties, mm-hmm. and um, she actually is the first one of the six to write her autobiography. Uh. And um, I just feel like that to me when I read that. I read it in two days, and I was just so emotional and. To hear her story about what she went through, you know, during the communist times, yes. it's a very moving book, and um, it's called My Heart Will Triumph, ah, but yes. I feel like if anybody is curious, like, hear it from her, like, she's the one who's experienced it, and that is probably the best, you know, book to learn more about what's going on there, and so when I think about the movie, you know, I'm always like, Apparition Hill, it really doesn't capture what you go through when you go there. Like, you really, it's something so amazing, so beautiful. And when people say they love Apparition Hill or it's such a great movie, I'm just like, Medjugorje, the place itself, like, the stories, that is amazing. Damn. And I love that we're able to point people to do more research about it. Excellent. Well, speaking of research, how do we get this DVD of Apparition Hill? It's on our website, apparitionhill.org or apparitionhill.com, and um, you can you know get it from there. There is also, we have Blu-ray as well, DVD and Blu-ray, yes. and you can also host a movie night, and that's actually a really fun thing to do. I've hosted many in Houston, I, and so I've, I love to gather people, and it's cool because after you watch the movie and after you, you know, gather people, sometimes people uh, create little groups and they yes. go there to explore Medjugorje. Instead of going to, like, Hawaii or something, they'll go to Medjugorje and they'll tell us that. They're like, oh, we were going to go to Hawaii, but then we decided to come here to the middle <laughs> of nowhere and we're so excited that we did. Yes. So how does one uh, host a movie? What, what do you do? do? Is something on the website that will guide people on how to do that? Yes, we have all the information about it, and we'll send um, a package, a box of DVDs, as well as um, the tickets for the movie night. Yeah, so it's on our website, and it's apparitionhill.org slash event. Mm-hmm. And there's different ones, like if you want to have, like, so many people, 75 people, if you want to have 300 people, or if you want to have, like, unlimited. And so then you can just get a little license for the movie and show it to that many people. We'll send DVDs, small posters, and everything to promote it. And before we go, tell us one more time about how one can enter the contest to go. The contest, it's on our website. It's apparitionhill.org slash contest. Anyone can enter from anywhere in the world. You just submit a video. It doesn't, it's not a popularity contest, but once the video hits 100 votes, you are entered into a raffle. Mm-hmm. And so someone is just going to be drawn and then they're going to come with us to Medjugorje. And we've done one of these before in the past. And it was a father, and he ended up bringing his two boys. So the dad won, and he brought his two sons, and his sons were in college. And it was, for them, the most amazing time because it was like father-son time. And even the boys, I thought maybe they, I was so interested, like, are they going to think it's a cool trip? They were so moved by Mm. it, and they loved it so much. So it was cool that, you know, three people actually ended up going to Medjugorje with us. Well, it's been it's been beyond beautiful talking to you and listening to you and experiencing Apparition Hill, both the place and the experience as well as the documentary through this conversation with uh, Simela Kidonakis, who is a producer of Apparition Hill, award-winning documentary directed by Sean Bloomfield. We certainly wish you all the best, and it's an inspiring story, as are you, And um, I just can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Thank you so much. I loved loved it so much. I I really appreciate it. Same here. And all the best to to Sean and everyone, uh, the cast members, all the people who live and relive this experience, and to the millions who are making this uh, pilgrimage. Thank you so much for being on the show, okay? Okay, thank you. All right. Bye now. 
Bye. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Sometimes a movie comes along that absolutely confounds the critics. Perhaps they have seen so many films they believe they've seen it all. Then, when a movie like Words and Pictures comes along, they are too tempted to focus on the all-too-familiar cliché. We understand that's their job, and that's all very well and good, unless they miss a film's freshness and inherent intelligence. Words and Pictures is an honest exploration of how we best communicate as human beings, whether more accurately with the written word or with pictures. And it's a love story. Clive Owen plays the very model of the alcoholic poet, and Juliette Vinoche is the brilliant artist hampered by painful arthritis. Roles that might once have suited Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. Master teachers in a fancy prep school, they challenge each other and their students to a school-wide competition to provide an answer. Will words or pictures prevail? It's hard to find genuinely witty, intelligent, and challenging dialogue in films these days. We don't seem to have the time for it, but it permeates words and pictures. The cliches are there, but heck, ignore them and enjoy the philosophical chatter and Juliette Binoche's own painting. Words and Pictures, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Reason for Hope The land time can't forget between Election Day 2016 and Inauguration Day 2017. Is it high noon or 12 o'clock high meets 140 characters in search of an author, but settling for a hack choking on denial of climate change, conflicts of interest, and the Russians are coming in real time. Caught by surprise electoral college victory, hiding in plain sight using thank you tour for lock her up encore as cover up, Intelligence briefings on the necessity of taking up governance, scary for one with only an eight-second attention span. No denying launch codes in the hands of a Twitter caricature is not a movie you want to watch before lights out. But if you want to keep the home fires burning, we need go beyond the inmates have taken over the asylum and have a come-to-Jesus moment. America is not dead, but... Maybe we should be getting a second opinion. Why can't we find comfort in the assurance of a heartless Halliburton oil addict and his co-mushroom cloud gang member confirming the common good will be served by Time's Person of the Year nominees? I mean, where's our faith in lead water, gas pipeline leaks, bought politicians and coal ash? Have they not proven to be ready, willing, and able companions to food deserts, factory farms, and rusty memories of the good old days? As for the tomfoolery reality of our potential 45th sets in on the road again, we could use some coffee pot time among friends with an appreciation for what is past is prologue. So celebrate holidays knowing, though fractured, we still stand gifted with the freedom to think and the wake-up call to do so. Hope is as near as dusting off our ability to turn off the self-appointed self-important, like Chuck Todd and Hugh Hewitt blaming President Obama for not breaking through the constant barrage of breaking 24-7 competition between Trump free press and Trump fake news. The Russians weren't the only ones cyberspace invited to invade the left for an inner circle placemat on the right side of the table. Sad. When did browsing become swiping in a hazy flash-by pretense of communication? When did manufacturing, in-depth research, and personal development succumb to failing to question authority, embracing not my problem, and ignoring the wonder of wandering through the mysteries of... Are we there yet? Yes, we can still see how words poorly chosen in nincompoop bravado and buffoonery can disappear our comprehension. 
Chinese ships in China Sea returning drone amidst mixed signals. Russians toasting laughable nonsense, not at the world's shifting perception of dependable American prowess, but at our being so easily distracted by a carnival barker wearing a carrot and tweeting his stick for the wild beasts of his own casting. Unlike the glitter of fool's gold, reason anchors us to the true communion of hope, which then invigorates our will to go on. But deciding what to contribute requires more thought than text from a tweeter. So let us not misplace our willpower to hope. For both world and time are abundantly clear. It is for us to create a life space for both oyster and pearl. Car keys can be found more easily than truth. And hope eludes reality check in rallies that evade questions about tax returns. But despite murderous attempts to steal our peace on earth, are we not the designated survivors inheriting love thy neighbor as thyself, even when too much information is not enough knowledge? We are stewards of nothing if putting faith in Goliaths we forget we are the masters of our fate and the Davids of America's soul. The very instant we keep hope someplace safe where our children can find it. Like heaven's brightest star, hope guides us forward on paths wiser than now imaginable to learn to live beyond self. But even an open mind filled with the better argument is but half the journey to having the wisdom to use it. Hope in our future is our proof of life today. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.